This is the Trip Doctor Podcast. I'm Arizona State University tourism professor Evan Jordan. If you're interested in learning more about being an intelligent traveler, head over to the website at gotripdoctor.com where you can find travel planning resources, a blog about all things travel, and a traveler personality quiz. Traditional bed and breakfasts have been around for centuries, and in many ways they're one of the earliest forms of accommodations in existence. Fast forward to 2007 and the advent of Airbnb, which has turned the tourism industry on its head for the last 10 plus years. Destinations across the globe have grappled with the rapid growth and regulation of these short-term vacation rentals, which we all now know as Airbnbs. Various approaches have been taken, lawsuits have been filed, and court battles continue to rage about the legality of Airbnbs from the perspective of cities, owners and operators, travelers, and community members. Meanwhile, researchers are still trying to figure out exactly how and why short-term vacation rentals impact the communities in which they reside. My guest today is Dr. Emily Yeager, an assistant professor at East Carolina University. I sat down for a chat with Emily at the Travel and Tourism Research International Conference in Miami over the summer. Emily's conducted several studies on the impacts of Airbnbs, and while much of what you'll read about in the news shows them in a negative light, she found a balance between the positives and negatives. There's people who create their own binders and put them in the rooms and say, hey, here's all the places you should go to visit my Chatham County, which is what houses the city of Savannah, and this is what Savannah is to me. And that was a form of empowerment for these people. You yeah. know, as a resident and an entrepreneur, you're saying, hey, here's my home and I get to share it with you. I always like to get to know my guests a little bit more as a traveler because I think that helps the listener kind of understand where you're coming from when it comes to your research. So my first question is always, what is your favorite thing about traveling? Honestly, food. I'm a big foodie and I'm always looking for what is the authentic and local cuisine. Actually, here in Miami, I had my first Cuban coffee and it was awesome. How was it? Because I also just had my first Cuban coffee and I'm interested on your take. Okay, wait, well, how did you have it? I had mine as an espresso sort of shot. Is that how you had yours? Yeah, I, I shared it with a couple people, and you okay. get sort of a bigger glass of it, and everybody gets mm-hmm. sort of a thimble because right. it's so strong and it's so sweet. If you were yes. to drink the whole thing, it'd be... So it's basically like really strong espresso with like half a pound of sugar in it. Yes, and I drank the whole thing. You drank like the whole thing? in one big shot. Were you up all night? No, I guess I'm just like... I guess I'm... Too hooked on caffeine. It was it was diesel fuel for me because <laughs> I, I only had a couple thimbles and I was kind of wired for a yeah, while. Yeah, it was awesome, and you could see the like the big layer of sugar on the bottom of the yeah. Cup. It's good. Yeah, but I think that's that's actually because food is also my favorite part of traveling. So I I really enjoy talking to people about food and travel, and I feel like we in that experience having Cuban coffee got to know a little bit my about Miami, but also a little bit about the people of Miami, because there's such a huge Cuban population. And I know everybody at the conference has been talking about where you're going to get Cuban food. You know, I'm going to get a Cuban sandwich or I'm going to go out for this or that or the other thing. And so I think it's a very cool part of travel that people are able to taste the culture when they go out to eat. So do you have any other food plans for while we're in Miami here? Um, Honestly, I want to try some tacos and I definitely the Cuban sandwich and I guess... 
that's pretty much it for me right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, at these conferences, sometimes we're kind of stuck. We are, yes. And the food's like pretty much the same day in and day out. It so, is. It is. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested, aside from Miami, which is a wonderful place to go, what is your number one favorite place that you've ever traveled to? And what is the number one place that you want to go in mm. the future? Or do you, do you like have a list of places that you're really interested in going? So my favorite place I've ever been to is South Island, New Zealand. And we rented a car and just drove around. So it's kind of hard to say what exactly on South Island was awesome. But really, it was just the wilderness and the landscapes were just, like, phenomenal. And it was the first place I ever went that my breath was truly, like, taken away. When we had, you know, come around a corner and see this incredible mountain scene. And I just, yeah, that was amazing. Um, the, right now, I mean, I always have a list going of places I want to go. But my eyes are set on Argentina next. And particularly, I want to go see Angel Falls. And I want to do food tourism there. Mm-hmm. You know, try the beef and. Um, yeah, what is what is Argentina known for? I mean, I know steak is kind steak, of steak, pretty much. Yeah, like that's what I want to go try. And I also want to go see Patagonia too, mm-hmm. naturally. What about the wine? Mendoza is such yes, a huge wine region. I like I like Argentina wine, particularly their reds are a little bit spicier. But to be honest, I love New Zealand wine a little bit more. Oh, so you've been tainted by your previous travels. So. I have, yeah. So I like New Zealand whites. That's what they're known for, yeah, right? Yeah, there's Sauvignon Blanc in mm-hmm. Marlboro Valley. Actually, that was probably another favorite part of that trip, too, because you can go and take wine tours. And I have lots of funny stories I could tell from that, but I don't really know <laughs> exactly where we're, if I'm going to have a chance to tell stories. Or not, sure. You, I mean, you got a story, you tell it. So this... St- it was off season when we went. So, you know, they're in an opposite climate as us. And so uh, we signed up for this bus tour that would take us out to all the wineries. And until this point, to be quite honest, like we didn't understand before going to New Zealand that their like alcohol consumption is a lot less than ours. Like and everything's lower percentage too. So like beers are like 3%. Oh, really? Yeah. And like the average shot's going to be like a half a shot there. Like, you know, like, so just something to know, I guess, for people who might want to go and just, it's not in their culture to like be sort of inebriated in public. So that was fine with us, but we also forgot that wine does, you know, is very high percentage. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we had a great time. But what what's funny is that there's there's people from Australia, um, particularly groups of women, they'll go on hen parties, is mm-hmm. what they call it, and they'll go to New Zealand for the weekend because it's a really short flight. It's particularly if you're like in Perth or something, and they'll just go and do these wine tours. So we ended up with one of the hen parties, and they loved my husband. Like it was just me and my husband in the hen oh, party, man. and they just oh my gosh, it was just hilarious. They kept plying him with wine and trying. They were fawning over him, and I was like, this is just great. Like I love this. Right, because awesome. I'm sure he's happy. He's getting attention from uh, a whole all bunch sorts of, of ladies people. with beautiful accents and all <laughs> sorts of stuff. So yeah, it was it was really funny. That's great. Um, so what one thing that story kind of brings me to the next thing I always want to talk about, and that is a time when things didn't necessarily go right. These are my favorite travel stories when you when you're going along and things go horribly wrong. And somehow you manage to pull out a good experience. And that's always, to me, the thing that I come home with and tell my story. So do you have a story from your travels that is like that? Yes. And it's really my husband's story, but it's my fault that this happened. Is it one time that he got plied with a bunch of wine by Australian (laughs) women? No, but this is like uh, a different, it's the same trip. So I booked our flights. And at that time, we actually weren't married. And so we had, you know, different names. And for some reason, I didn't know how to spell 
his last name. So when you book international flights, that's a huge deal. Like mm-hmm. even if you're off by one letter, there's a lot of airlines that won't let you even fly. So, um, yeah, I don't have internet because I chose not to have it when I was in Australia and New Zealand because I was teaching study abroad. So I just used Wi-Fi whenever I could get it. So in the meanwhile, I have like one of these apps that you can use on Wi-Fi. And whenever I got on Wi-Fi, I had like 30 messages. And it was just like, you you booked the wrong name. I don't know if I can meet you in New Zealand. Like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. All this stuff. And um, anyway, so that wasn't even like the funniest part of it. So we actually ended up making it through, um, you know, all the checkpoints. And we got on the flight. And made it to New Zealand and I'm still in Australia supposed to meet him like the next day I had booked him a room at a hostel that I I was like okay we've never stayed in a hostel before which is by the way is kind of like a short-term vacation rental they've Mm -hmm. always had that in Europe and uh it was called the jail and so I said oh this will be really cool you know turns out it was an actual jail and so the rooms were literally had like the bars that you close the door like every room was and they were shared showers and like all sorts of things that like my husband was like what is this (laughs) and yeah so anyway um that was two things that I had kind of screwed up and then uh, he was trying to, like, find another room, and then this, like, monsoon came, and he was, like, walking across, across like, the city of Christchurch trying to find another place to stay. And all the while, I'm just, like, in Australia, like, not paying attention, and don't I can't really talk to him. So I'm not just, having like, to live with the consequences of your of yeah. your actions? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty bad. I felt really bad for him, but we still had an amazing time, and it was cool. Got to see what a hostel looks like, particularly a jail that was yeah. converted, so why not? Plus, that's the thing that you come home, and that's the thing you probably want to tell everybody, right? It's like, can you believe what Emily did? Exactly. Gave me the wrong name and booked me into jail. And I just had this image. I just, I feel so bad laughing about this. And if he hears this, he's probably going to, like, kill me. But he, because when you're in a plane for that long, you know, your back gets really stiff. And Mm -hmm. he was just, like, was having issues with his back. And he was trying to walk through Christchurch, and there's a monster. And he's like, I looked like, you know, Quasimodo. (laughs) Like, just like, I said, I was just, like, (laughs) hunching and kind of, like. Traipsing through the rain. Yeah, exactly. And I just... Trying to get out of jail. I'm sitting there and he's like telling me this over the app and I just can't even breathe because I'm (laughs) laughing so hard, which probably did not make the situation any better. So That's great. Yeah. That's great. Those are, yeah, those are my favorite things about travel. That's that's awesome. So let's shift gears a little bit and start talking about research because that's what this podcast is all about. Uh, I'm interested in your story as a tourism researcher. Like, how did you come to be a tourism researcher? I know a lot of people don't start that way. That's not their intention to become a tourism researcher. So, like, how did you get into this? What is your specialty area? And, like, what are you hoping to accomplish with your tourism research? Right. So, I actually started as intending to be a geologist. So, I have a geology degree. Really? Yes. And then when I wanted to do my master's, I was kind of, I knew I really liked people and I love working with people. So I thought maybe I should try to be a social scientist. So Mm -hmm. I did my master's in sustainable tourism. Um, And with that, I got a lot of skills with like GIS and community development perspectives. Um, And so from there, I wanted to do my PhD and I wasn't really sure. I thought maybe geography because I really like maps and I love community development. But then I was like, but I love the travel. I've been traveling since, I mean, my favorite memories with my parents have always been with traveling. And um, I think that's why I have such a passion for music. I think I mentioned earlier and food and just culture in general because Mm -hmm. of traveling. And so 
I discovered that I could actually get a PhD in tourism and community development. Who knew? So, exactly. Um, so that's kind of how I got into mm-hmm. being a tourism researcher. And so what's your, what's your specialty? My specialty, um, talking about my current research or just in general? No, just like, what, are you, what is your passion? In like, general, what is a problem that you want to solve? With, I mean, that's what research is all about, is right. figuring out problems. So I'm interested in the sustainability of mm-hmm. tourism, thinking about it from three different perspectives. What is environmental sustainability in tourism, social sustainability, and economic sustainability? Mm-hmm. So really, when I approach a problem, I think about it mainly from residents' perspectives. Most of the time, that's where I'm coming from. Is thinking about all three areas of that when we're trying to develop tourism that benefits both the residents, but also, you know, uh, tourists that are coming to visit and uh, the community at large. And that's what you did for your current research that you're presenting here at the conference, uh, which is all about short-term vacation rentals. And probably most people know those as Airbnbs. Yeah, and we can just say Airbnbs. Yes, yeah, that's totally Absolutely. Fine. Uh, so tell me the story of this research. How did you come to be studying Airbnbs? Where did you do your study and and what did you do? Yeah. So, uh, in general, like I said, I've done a lot of work with doing residents attitudes towards tourism, um, in different communities through surveys, door to door methodologies, um, in Atlanta and also in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed at an Airbnb in Savannah, Georgia. It was like my first one I ever stayed at and I really loved it. I was like, I love the hospitality. I loved making friends. I'm still friends with the people that hosted me that time. And so, um, I also began to see a lot of media coverage over sort of, especially in major urban areas like Mm -hmm. San Francisco and New York and stuff, just sort of these like crazy reactions towards Airbnb, not crazy, but more just um, intense. Right. And a lot of them were negative coverage too, because it was related to like affordable housing and, you know, people just felt like it was um, not being in fair competition with like the hotel industry. So anyway, I saw this issue. And I wondered, well, what are residents thinking about it in other sorts of urban areas? And mm-hmm. I looked in my backyard and I saw that Savannah, Georgia was actually, you know, kind of debating this whole thing about how do we manage, how do we regulate short-term vacation rentals? Because I mean, they were growing like exponentially mm-hmm. and I wanted to know what residents were thinking about it. And um, so I approached their tourism management office and said, hey, you know, would you like uh, an intern? I can come intern with you and then I'd love to do this research. Um, my dissertation so so you that's this is when you were a phd student at university of georgia yes. right so this is really your backyard because yes. it's just sort of down well no absolutely that, and that's kind of like a research uh position that i tend to do i love doing research where i am mm-hmm. not everybody feels that way but that's just kind of what i'm comfortable doing and what i where i feel like i make the most impact so okay so you decided you wanted to study this you went down to savannah you had an experience there and you said, I'm going to study impacts of Airbnbs on the residents. Mm-hmm. How did you, did you talk to them? Did you send them a survey? How did you get your, your data for this research? So I did it two different ways. One, I did door-to-door census-guided surveys. So we were doing this in areas that were legally allowed to have short-term vacation rentals. Oh, is it illegal some places and legal it other is, places? yes. How so does that work? Have, they have special zoning laws, and short-term vacation rentals are allowed in basically three historic districts that start at the river and head south. So if anybody ever looks at a map of Savannah, you start at River Street, and then you just head south past Forsyth Park uh, pretty much to, I forget what the most southern edges of Mid-City District, but... Mm-hmm. 
So there are a lot of Airbnbs that operate, that try to operate outside of these zones. Um, but I was really focusing on the ones that were legal. So this is something that a lot of destinations and a lot of travelers might not know this is a lot of Airbnbs are operating outside of the law, I guess we'll say. And I guess that's maybe kind of a misnomer because technically they're operating against like city ordinances. Yes. In most cases. Yes. So I did some studies on this in Hawaii and the majority of properties in Hawaii, especially on the island of Oahu, are technically illegal. Um, so that's a, I'm glad that you brought that point up because that's one thing people who are traveling to Airbnbs might not necessarily know. Right. And even it could be in the same city, like you were saying, yeah. some places it's okay and some places it's not. Mm-hmm. And it's, and for a traveler, it's just important to know, like, especially you might go to a neighborhood and actually see signs in someone's yard that say no Airbnb, you know, yeah. you might, it might actually confront you, you know, seeing that sign, but you know, it's just, that's because that's what's happening. It's just zoning mm-hmm. and the ordinances. Yeah. And that, and that affects your experience, right? Mm-hmm. As a, totally. as a traveler, if you're getting negative feedback from people that says, we don't really want you here. You know, that doesn't exactly. necessarily make you feel like, I mean, maybe some people are okay with it, but I'm, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people yeah. who are maybe a little bit more conscientious yeah. are like, oh, this is not really what I want to be doing with my right. vacation. So you're focusing on the legal ones for this study. And you did you talk to them in person, people who live there? Did you send out a survey? Yeah, so I distributed a survey. Okay. I, you know, I would leave the survey with them and pick it up the next day when it was finished. And I'd distributed 600 surveys. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, we had a, uh, let's see, we had 384 returns. So that was, that was really good. And we were asking them um, all sorts of questions related to, again, those environmental, economic, and social impacts um, of short-term vacation rentals. And we were also asking them about legislation. What do you think should be done in the city related mm-hmm. to taxes and zoning and things like that? Oh, okay. And then the other half of the project, I actually interviewed people who host or own Airbnbs. Oh, in okay. Savannah. So you got both perspectives. Yeah. And what I was actually doing um, was trying to make the point that a lot of these hosts, and it turns out there were, I did 26 interviews, like 24 of them were residents. Oh, yeah. Well. In so, a lot of cases, that's, the, that's yeah, how it yeah. works. Yeah. And so that was kind of the perspective I was coming from was that it's still a resident's perspective, but they're also sort of doing the activity that some people may or may not agree with. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I was just doing more interviews with them, trying to understand how they got into hosting and, you know, what were their perceived impacts on their community. Mm-hmm. So you got multiple data points, multiple perspectives, multiple ways of talking to people. What what is the major finding from this? Like, what are people saying are the impacts on their lives? Because you say you kind of take a community approach. Exactly. And these are this is the community, right? These are the people exactly. who live there, the people who are running the Airbnbs. Yeah. What did you find? So I think the best way for me to talk about it is again from that sort of you know sure. three prong perspective might be helpful for the listeners. Absolutely. Uh, so from an economic perspective, um, a lot of this has to do with what people would like guests to do, right? So, and how it, how they would be more accepting of it in their community. So, um, if people are patroning local businesses more, if they, especially if the hosts themselves are, you know, willing to pay the taxes they're supposed to be paying, because in, you know, every city's different. And mm-hmm. so like some cities, you may have a business tax plus the tax on sales and all sorts of you know, um, there's an occupancy tax, which means, you know, on every hotel room, you have to have this. So yeah, that's something else that listeners might not be aware of is that any hotel you stay in, you're usually paying, oh gosh, anywhere from six to mm-hmm. 15% yeah. of hotel tax, every hotel you stay in. And like you exactly. mentioned, 
the ones, the Airbnbs that are operating illegally, in most cases, aren't paying that tax. Right. Is that right? Right. Yeah. And so check your bill the next time you check out of a hotel and kind of see what all those specific charges are. If you ever see something that says occupancy or something like that, that's what that is. And the main problem with that, I don't know if you'd like me to just briefly describe yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So that money that hotel rooms pay um, is used for further marketing of the destination. And so that, you know, your local CVB or your DMO, whatever they call what themselves. Those? What's the CVB? CVBs is a Convention and Visitors Bureau. And a DMO is Destination Marketing Organization. Okay. So either way, whatever your community calls itself that particular organization, their goal is to market your community, to get visitors to come in. And so would this be something like Visit Savannah? Yes. Or like, what is Georgia's um, state tourism called? Georgia, I don't know what Georgia's state tourism is. I know their logo, Georgia on my or their slogan yeah, is Georgia yeah. on my mind. But I don't know what they're, I don't exactly know what that's called. But most states have these organizations. They do, A totally. lot of cities have these organizations. Totally. Even some of the smaller communities have them. As totally. well. And so, yeah, and Savannah has um, its own. It's Visit Savannah. Okay. So, yeah, they would totally use this money for marketing the destination even further. So, um, anyway, so residents were saying if they were playing fair, if they felt like they were paying the taxes they were supposed to, and then also if they could have a little more knowledge. Again, I mentioned something about, like, you know, visiting local businesses and making sure that, um, you know, you're trying to make a concerted effort to give back in that way. What we call that is a multiplier effect. And so you as a tourist, um, your money can go far in different ways. And so mm-hmm. like, let's say if you chose to go to that coffee shop on the corner versus buying Starbucks, which by the way, I still love Starbucks, but like, <laughs> you know, in general, if you decided to say, well, one cup of my coffee consumption is going to go to that local coffee shop, that coffee shop owner is going to take that money and they're going to pay taxes with it, and they're going to reinvest back into the community because they live there. Yeah, pay their so, employees who live there, and that keeps exactly. going back into the community. Exactly. So that's what residents were looking for in that economic sense. And okay. then from the environmental sense, um, you know, actually, funny, from the surveys, people didn't really have an opinion about whether there were positive or negative environmental impacts. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it's just a new way of thinking, of understanding that, you know, this is a form of consumption. And so they just weren't really sure what the impacts were. Now, hosts themselves were doing a lot of really cool things in their locations um, to try to be green Airbnbs. You know, they would do things like put biodegradable makeup wipes in their bathrooms. They would, um, a lot of them either already had solar panels or were working on saving up money from their Airbnb income to put solar panels on their house. Um, just lots of other initiatives like that. So is this different things than you would see at like bigger chain hotels, do you think? I think so. Um, and it's easier for them to do some of these initiatives, right? Because it's only like one bathroom or it's only one house mm-hmm. they're doing this to. And the upfront costs are still there, but um, it's a lot faster that this can happen. When you're talking about hotel chains, it's just a little more difficult because it's corporate. It's Such a large scale of implementation. Exactly. Exactly. So... Um, from that was that environmental perspective, and then lastly, I saved this one for last. So the social impacts, at least in Savannah, were the most important across both hosts and general resident surveys that I did. And so, people in general were worried about losing their sense of community. Um, there are some streets, and this is not unique to Savannah, that have 
you could call them Airbnb streets. You know, you, you might be one or two of neighbors that are left and people felt like they were losing their neighbors. And even if you don't necessarily talk to your neighbor every day, there's something about seeing that daily routine, putting the trash out, walking the dog, just knowing that you're safe because there's always people around, right? There's not transient populations and you feel like you're a part of something and you know that people are living there. So people were really concerned about losing that sense of community. Mm -hmm. And if you're baking a cake, as they always used to say, and you need to borrow some sugar, you can go next door and get it from your neighbor. Exactly. And if it's uh, Airbnb, you don't necessarily know those people anymore. Exactly. So... Yeah, and then from the host perspective with sort of the social impacts, um, they were also worried too about how they were perceived by their neighbors. Um, so they were really trying to make a concerted effort to really like introduce themselves and to say, hey, if there's anything I can do to like, you know, make sure my guests don't bother you, you know. So they know this is, they know this is an issue. I mean, it's yeah. in the newspapers, people are putting up signs. But they also see opportunities too, right? I mean, like a lot of people, at least from the host perspective, they think the positive social impacts is they get to share like their home and their perspective of Savannah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's something that I thought was really interesting. You know, they, there's people who create their own binders and put them in the rooms and say, Hey, here's all the places you should go to visit my Chatham County, which is what houses the city of Savannah. And this is what Savannah is to me. And that was a form of empowerment for these people. You yeah. know, as a resident and an entrepreneur, you're saying, hey, here's my home and I get to share it with you. And how does that affect like the authenticity of somebody's travel experience? Because that's what a lot of people say is is a reason for them staying at an Airbnb instead of a hotel is like, this is more authentic. So do you think that the the hosts playing that role play, has a effect on people's authentic experiences? Totally. Um, and it depends on where you stay too, right? So Savannah... Um, I kind of mentioned a little bit, if you start at the river, that's kind of where the historic district is. And if you've ever seen any pictures of Savannah, they were probably taken in the historic mm -hmm. district. Forsyth Carriage. Yeah, Live Oaks, Forsyth Park, which kind of cuts into the Victorian district, but still. Um, yeah, so those are all what people are recommending there. Um, you might, it might be what you would get maybe at any other hotel. I don't know for sure. Right. Because I haven't stayed in these locations, but as you head further South, it's interesting because you're not so close to sort of, um, the mass tourism sites. And so what you're getting are, uh, you, the arts community is really reviving and sort of the Southern end of that area where short term vacation rentals are allowed. There's more farm to table restaurants popping up, mm. um, foodie scene and, uh, there's a lot more to see, too, in that part of Chatham County, uh, Bonaventure Cemetery and all sorts of stuff. So um, they're advertising those things that may not necessarily be advertised in a, you know, a traditional hotel room, maybe like when you come to Savannah. So. And do you think that plays a role in the spreading of those economic benefits that you've talked about, like sending tourists to places that they wouldn't normally go? Yeah, totally. Um, I just I was. You know, I attended a talk yesterday. Someone was uh, interviewing bartenders about what they were as sort of like these cultural, you know, curators of the of the community. And I actually talked to a bartender who lived in sort of that southern end of that area I was talking about. And he's like, yeah, I've got this favorite restaurant down here. Um, and he's like, I see so many more Airbnb guests coming. They like tell me they were staying in an Airbnb and mm -hmm. we're so excited that they're here because... You know, it means this is going to survive like this, this farm to table restaurant is going to survive because people are coming and it's not because a lot of local Savannians don't necessarily travel down that way. Mm -hmm. But if you have guests coming, it just creates the traffic Definitely. that it needs. 
And that sort of is, is seems like it's pushing travelers toward there's this new theme of like traveling like a local and mm -hmm. doing things that local people would do. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. Those experiences you're not necessarily going to get if you stay um, at a hotel. So it's kind of this balance of those positive things that the traveler gets, uh, the positive things for some of the residents and some of the negative things um, for both of them as well. Um, was there anything that surprised you? in in your findings of this research anything that came out of the blue that you said wow that's that's interesting i didn't expect that i think what was the most interesting from the host perspective is why people were hosting so i i, I kind of get this feeling that maybe a lot of people think that people host just to make extra money you know mm -hmm. on the side which a lot of people do and that's great but it turns out quite a few of my interviewees were doing this also for subsistence. I mean, it, it really supplemented their, their income because, um, you know, maybe the field that they were in, there wasn't a lot of employment opportunities, other sorts of things come up in life. And so um, I think that's really important to think about is that um, access to this entrepreneurial opportunity is really important for some people. So it's not something that's like on top of their other job. They're buying a property and renting it out. It's like right. that's what they do for a living. Right. Exactly. So there's, you know, there's a mix of both. But the people who do it for a living um, are really intense about what they do. And I mean, because they have to. I mean, it's like their livelihood. And mm -hmm. that was just really interesting to me. And thinking about how much they sacrifice in their own personal home because, you know, you, your tub can't be dirty. Your your kitchen can never be cluttered. Like, you know, all that sort of thing. And so you're sacrificing a lot of personal sort of uh, benefits from uh, just because you're constantly running your house out. But I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. If, if, I'm a, if I'm a traveler and I'm thinking about staying at an Airbnb, traveling somewhere, staying in an Airbnb, what is what is the major takeaway from your research for me? Like, what are the things I should think about? If I'm yeah. going to go somewhere, I want to stay in an Airbnb, what does your research say should be important to me if I want to be an uh, intelligent traveler? Yes. So, one, do your research. Make sure you're staying in a legal um, Airbnb. I mean, that's your choice, right? Like, it's not a bad thing if you want to go outside of a, a zone because it's closer to where you want to be in a destination. But just realize that, that, that there are a lot of um, internal issues in communities right now because of the legality of where these things are happening and the location is really important because some people want to preserve their residential community they don't and no offense to tourists it's just they prefer to have that while other sort of destinations are more open so just make sure you do your research mm -hmm. um, and then also just put yourself in the place of a resident like you know not just the people that you're renting from but also the neighbors next door so what are things that you could do to be almost like a resident of that community so again maybe choose that local business to go, you know, spend a little money in as opposed to doing the chain stores. Not that they're bad, but, you know, just maybe making a few decisions uh, to shop locally. And also thinking about, you know, even from an environmental perspective, treat the home like maybe you would. Don't take like hour long showers and, and think about, you know, um, the amount of towels you're using and linens you're using. And just, I don't know, just thinking about like in a hotel, for instance, you don't necessarily have to think about those things so much. And maybe when you go to an Airbnb, you assume it's kind of like a hotel too, but maybe treat it more like your own home and realize that those environmental resources are precious. And um, in, in a place like Savannah, that may not seem that important, but if you're traveling internationally, there's some destinations where that, that would be very important to think mm -hmm. about. And then um, also just making sure, you know, 
if, if your intention and a destination, for instance, is, you know, you want to go with a group and you're you're out for maybe a bachelor party or a bachelorette party or, or if you're older, just whatever you're doing, it's some sort of celebration. Think about the destination and think about the community that you're in. Do they want partiers on their street? Um, you know, even though it's open to rent, maybe do a little bit of research and kind of get the feel for the neighborhood, you know, and, and just know whether that's going to be okay because like that could really affect residents' attitudes and sort of like really upset them sure i mean if you're living next to a big house that's renting out for parties all the time and you got to go to work the next day that's not going to be very good for your for your sleep right yeah totally and um and also just like be open-minded like to accept the cultural differences that might exist you know because that's kind of that's an awesome opportunity with airbnb and other sort of companies like it is that you can actually have the opportunity to like get embedded in a sort of cultural enclave that maybe you wouldn't have ever had. There's no hotel there, right. To be able to stay. So just be open-minded and maybe not impose so much of yourself on people, but just be willing to kind of be, have your ears open, your eyes open to adapt and, and accept maybe a different experience. Fantastic. Well, Emily, this has been uh, wonderful talking to you and I appreciate you coming on the show and Um, Hope you have a wonderful day.